You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh man, it's a Friday fun show on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station at your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. What's up? It's Matt Miguez here on your Friday, producer extraordinaire and the co-host with the most, Mr. James Mesh, will join me in just a moment. A lot to talk about today. Plenty of things that we're going to get to. Couple of the big things, though. Saints play football tomorrow. We'll talk about that. We will talk about the Auburn Tigers next up on the list of LSU opponent previews. And then, you know, we, we started a new segment a couple weeks ago. What would a Friday fun show be without some of the hottest takes and strangest phrases? In sports media, Jake Crane of Crane and Company will join us for Jake's takes. And this one's going to be special. It's a two segment edition of Jake's takes. So Jake Crane will be on the phone line for 30 minutes this afternoon. Game hotline, if you want to get in, 706 0111, open during most of the first hour. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. James, what's up, bud? What's up, dude? Dude, it's Friday. I know, right? Shrenar. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> James Mesh jumped the line, everybody. Okay, so couple of, of headlines that, that are really sticking out to me that I, I got to ask you about. We're going to start. Especially with one popping up recently. Yeah. We'll, and we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. We, we got to talk about John Calipari. <laughs> we got to talk about John it's Calipari. definitely an interesting situation to say the least. So John Calipari had a conversation with Kyle Tucker who writes for The Athletic. And... He was talking about recently Kentucky had to call a basketball practice early because of a leak in the roof of their practice facility. So John Calipari wants a new facility. Can't blame him. Your roof's leaking. You're having to end practices because of it. How often does it happen, though? That's what I'm wondering. Well, that, that's a good question. Because if it's a one-time thing, getting a whole new facility... Let's pump. Let's pump the brakes. Kentucky's got the money, so it's fine. But, but still, it's like if it ain't broke, oh, don't fix I, it. I get you. I get you. And so he makes this comment, and I and I quote: "This is a basketball school. It's always been that. Alabama is a football school. So is Georgia. They are. No disrespect to our football team. I hope they win ten games and go to bowls." At the end of the day, that makes my job easier and it makes the job of all of us easier. But this is a basketball school. And so we need to keep moving in that direction and keep doing what we're doing. Wow, so you're telling me you want your team to you want your football team to lose two games at least? <laughs> no, no, I'm just So I don't think that his comment was false. It's definitely not false. 
Kentucky is a it's, basketball it's school. It's widely known as a basketball school. However, there are certain things in life, whether you believe them to be true or not, just don't say them. You do not say them on the record. You don't. Op- we talk about optics a lot on this show. From an optics standpoint, that is horrible. Horrible. That's like, you know, last year for the Cajuns. There, there was a similar, and I'm not going to get into it. There was just there was a similar situation, optically. That's horrible. You can't do that because if I'm the athletic director of the University of Kentucky, I'm calling John Calipari and saying, John, Bud, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing? Again, it's not a lie. Kentucky is a basketball school. It always has been, always will be. But Kentucky's football program is on the rise. Will Levis is a great quarterback. Mark Stoops is a great coach. They won a lot of games last year. They're probably going to win a couple more. So there's just certain things you, you kind of keep in the back of your head. I almost wonder, because I, I had talked about this on, on Jordy's show. I don't, I don't want to say it was like fully planned out, but uh, if, if, if it was just like off the dome with with Calipari, maybe if you look at it with Mark Stoops, he almost used it as a way to for recruiting purposes because it, it's it's off the wall. It's weird, but it you wouldn't kind of go back if it's one of your own guys. You wouldn't often go out into the media yourself to go say that. You would go behind closed doors and text them or give them a phone call and be like, hey, what the hell are you doing? But and if but what he did was he almost kind of clapped back, but it wasn't like a real clap back. It was in my eyes, it feels like it was a look. I'm I'm here. We're on the rise. I'm committed to this program. And so should you name X player that plays football that may be wanting to go to Kentucky. It sounds like a stretch, but it, it would definitely be an interesting way to recruit, and it'd be something that you don't expect often. Be like, wow, I like how this guy's ri-. Like, I was thinking about Kentucky. I was also looking at these other programs, but, man, the fact that Stoops is out here, like, protecting the brand and, like, even going against his own guys, you know, I respect that. You know who played it even better? Auburn. So Brian Harson, head coach of Auburn football, saw what was happening, and he posted a picture of himself and Auburn basketball coach Bruce Pearl playing golf together. <laughs> and it says, Auburn family, with two exclamation points. He tags coach Bruce Pearl. Hashtag War Eagle. Hashtag We're a Everything School. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Clap yeah. back. Auburn won that one. Oh yeah, Auburn won that one. And it was it out of left field too. Oh, one hundred percent. It was a left hook that you never expected. One hundred percent. So, 
And, and then the other thing is, and yes, Kentucky's basketball program is historic. Nobody's denying that. However, they have struggled mightily as of late. Kentucky has not. They've won their last four bowl games. Kentucky, in basketball, you went, you lost in the first round to St. Peter's. Granted, St. Peter's went on a hell of a run. But when Kentucky lost to St. Peter's, nobody saw that coming. And then, if, if you look at 2020-2021, Kentucky was 9-16. and 16. They were terrible. They didn't even make the NCAA tournament. So in the last two years, Kentucky has missed the tournament completely and then lost in the first round. So yes, historically, Kentucky is a basketball school, but further proving the point, those comments should have never been made. And if I'm Mitch Barnhart, the athletic director at Kentucky, I am livid right now. Damage control with three weeks left until the college football season is a athletic director's worst nightmare. Let's go to the phone line, 706-0111. David's calling in. David, what's up? Oh, not much. I have no problem with what Calipari said. Because, first, it's not like he's lying, like you all mentioned. He's not lying. You know, um, and truth from... College football coaches is rare. As you know, well, college coaches, in, in, in particular football and basketball, it's very rare. So to have one actually saying something that's truthful should be applauded. Don't you guys agree? No, I, I don't because... You don't? I, I, I don't. And not you don't believe in him being honest. You don't believe in him being truthful. No, I'm I'm a fan of that, but again, like like I like I said a second ago, when you work for an institution like Kentucky, where there's multiple programs that you all should be on the same side, you inadvertently trashed another program by making the comments that you made. You of course you all should be on the other side, but to believe that say Auburn. Arvin, you said the Arvin coach came out and said we're all one big happy family or something to that extent. And everybody, everyone who follows any type of college sports will say Arvin is a football school first and foremost and everything else is second way behind football. And that is not a lie. Do you think, do you think the basketball program even comes close to the football program at Arvin? I think it's a lot closer than it used to be. It may be a lot closer than it used to be, but it's not in the same territory. In all honesty, you know this and I know this. You know, and there's the problem. We have way too many people who are willing to take believe lies and and half truths as opposed to just saying, I, "I really appreciate this person being honest," and just moving on from there. Appreciate the call, David. I mean, do I appreciate the honesty? Sure. 
But again, put yourself in the position of athletic director Mitch Barnhart. Your basketball coach publicly states, oh, these schools are football schools. Kentucky's not. And again, Kentucky is a basketball school. Everybody knows it. However, the point of all of this, when you are a college coach, a big part of your job, whether you like it or not, is public relations. There are certain things you do not do. There are certain things you do not say. And this is one of them. PR 101. You do not trash inadvertently or inadvertently a fellow program of your school. And you can say all you want that that's not what he did. That's what he did. He literally sat there and said, oh, you know, well, our football program's okay. I hope they win games, but, you know, they're not that important here. That's exactly what he said. For me, I'm, I'm not going to applaud him and be like, here's a cookie. Be like, yeah, congrats. You actually spoke your mind. Thanks. I would, I would hope you would do that more often. But I, I, if I was Calipari, I would have gone it a different way. I wouldn't have even mentioned the football team. I would have just said, I really want a new facility because... Right. Why did, why did the football team even come up? Like, I don't understand. That's, it's, it's more of the unnecessary talk. Why, right. why, what was with the detail of needing to bring up the football team? They weren't even a part of the conversation. You're asking and you're requesting a new basketball facility. I don't understand the point of the football team. Yeah, football should have never even came up in that conversation. It, it, it'd be me like dogging Raymond or Foot or Hannah or Jordy or you, and and like for no reason. Where it was like, I'm I'm talking about basketball, and all of a sudden, I'm making fun of Matt's home run derby skills. Like it's it, it would just be like, what, what was what was the point? No, I mean I'm I'm totally 100% with you. It was unnecessary. You you're you're doing an article about how your basketball program or or you're talking to a reporter about how a basketball program needs to get a new facility. And yet what you did is you made this guy's career by giving him a controversial comment to make an article out of. So the point of the conversation completely derailed because you made an unnecessary comment about your football program. That's exactly what happened. Am I wrong? No, it, it was it was an unnecessary jab, and it was like it, there was no point in bringing it up. Why? Why did you? Have, and, and it was kind of like you also tried to put a bandit like I hope they win ten games. I was like, well, they play a twelve game season. Why not hope they win all 12 games? But you see, here's here's the thing. This is par for the course with John Calipari. The dude has always been a me, me, me guy. What's best for me? What's best for my team? You know, all about me. So this is par for the course. 
I mean, this is exactly what you'd expect. So I'm not surprised, yet somehow we spent 20 minutes talking about it. We find ways. We, we find ways. Poll question of the day up on Facebook and Twitter. Saints playing tomorrow night. What are you most excited about with the Saints' first preseason game? The rookies finally getting to play real football, knocking the rust off, just playing football or other. So far, 45% of you say football, 36% of you say the rookies finally playing. And Ton comes in on comments and says, the people who act like they know football making fools of themselves. Yeah, you got a few of those. That's always fun. Next segment, we are going to look at the Field of Dreams game from last night. We'll give you a recap of what went down and a special effects moment that people didn't particularly enjoy. For reasons that I don't quite understand. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The red hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles Saturday, August 27th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Timeout right here on your Friday fun show. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on The Game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James and Mesh. 23 minutes after 5, 4 o'clock, I'm sorry, on your Friday afternoon. Yesterday, MLB Baseball went out to Dyersville, Iowa for the Field of Dreams game. Second year that they have done this, built an MLB stadium literally on the site of where they filmed Field of Dreams. If you look off into the distance, you have the house and the museum as well as the small field that they used in the movie. And then there's a path where you can walk through the corn to the MLB stadium. Pretty cool. Uh, The show opened, or the game opened, with a tribute to the late, great Ray Liotta who played Shoeless Joe Jackson in the film, uh, Kevin Costner, gave a tribute to him and then you had Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. walk out of the corn and have a game of catch as the players walked onto the field for the game the Chicago Cubs taking down the Cincinnati Reds four to two Drew Smiley going five innings with no runs he struck out nine and only walked two Nick Lodolo getting the loss four and two-thirds innings four earned runs he struck out six and walked four the Cubs didn't waste any time 
I mean, first inning, you get a guy on and after one after another after another. Patrick Wisdom was on second. Kurt Suzuki doubles to deep left to score Wisdom immediately after. Nico Horner singles to left field to score Suzuki, and he makes it to second on the on the throw. And then J.A. Happ comes up, doubles to center field to score Horner. So it was 3 nothing early, and then in the fourth, you get a single from Nick Madrigal to score Nolan Velasquez. And then it wasn't until the seventh that the Cincinnati Reds would respond with a double to deep right center by Reynolds to score two runs, and that would make it the final of 4-2. to two. But really, the, the story of the Field of Dreams game last night was in the seventh inning stretch. Uh, Harry Carey was a well-known sports commentator, and the bulk of his career was spent with the Chicago Cubs, or, or the most famous part of his career, should I say, came with the Chicago Cubs on WGN. And he, in the last few years, he was known for singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And so last night, they wanted to have Harry Carey, who passed away in 1998, part of the broadcast. So thanks to modern technology, they CGI'd a hologram and put him in the, in the press box. And had him sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And it was very, very lifelike. An article that I found online described it as, MLB knew it needed to add intrigue somehow with the national audience forced to watch the bottom of the NL Central. And they landed on maybe the creepiest idea possible. Some TV brain genius who was apparently the only person in the world that thought the hologram Tupac was a brilliant idea decided to give the world something no one asked for. Hologram Harry Carey. Now look, and and that's one of many similar reactions. I thought it was genius. I thought it was well done. I thought the hologram was very lifelike which maybe that's the part that people are creeped out about, is how lifelike it was, considering Harry Carey's been dead for 24 years. It was a cool moment to hear him sing Take Me Out to the Ball Game again at a, at a Cubs game. And I, I know that Cubs fans really appreciated it, but, you know, this wasn't the worst thing they could have done, right? James, I mean... I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know about you, but I like when stuff is as realistic as possible. I don't want it to be something that looks like crap. So the fact that it was so realistic and it was so lifelike, that's what made me enjoy it even more. Well, I think the problem that people are having is uh, I've seen a lot of people say, well, have some respect for the dead. You're honoring the guy. I was going to say, what do you... What do you how are you? What do you think they're doing? How are you being disrespectful? You you wanted to be disrespectful. You just said I don't want Harry Carey any part of this at all. I would erase him from MLB history. Like like I thought this was a cool way to honor him. Maybe I'm in the minority, and clearly, if you look at social media, I am. But clearly, we're getting a lot of flack for this, right? But I mean, I I thought it was it was a cool moment, but. uh Field of Dreams game will not be back in 2023. They are 
expanding the Field of Dreams area to include a Little League complex. Uh, how cool is that going to be? Little League games getting held at the Field of Dreams? That's pretty cool. They're going to have a whole thing with like a hotel and dorms for the players, and they're going to have like big, long summer tournaments out there in Dyersville. So I think that's pretty cool. So they're not going to have the game next year due to construction in the area. Um, then there's no deal in place for it to ever return. They're hopeful that it will return in 2024, but they're still unsure currently at the moment. So we'll see what happens there. Once again, the Cubs taking down the Reds 4-2 last night. Saints play tomorrow night, and I know what you're thinking. You're sitting there looking for a place to watch it. The Hangout Sports Pub in Youngsville. It's the newest place to hang out and catch all of the games, local bar on Fortune Road, NFL, college games, even Premier League soccer, if that's your thing, on the TVs. Drink specials daily, great food, even some new menu items to go check out. Live entertainment, you name it, Hangout Sports Pub has it. Great atmosphere, local, laid-back vibe, great ownership, great employees again drink specials great food check them out 1004 fortune road suite a in youngsville and when you go make sure to tell them that miguez and mesh sent you take a time out when we return jacob goins of espn auburn 106.7 will join us to give you a preview of the tigers before they head to Death Valley. You're listening to the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back into Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on The Game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. It's a Friday fun show here on your Friday afternoon. Continuing opponent previews for college football here in 2022. Yesterday, we touched on the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Today, let's do the LSU Tigers. We are joined by Jacob Goins of ESPN Auburn 106.7. Jacob, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule on this Friday afternoon. How are you, man? And, you know, how's life on the plains? Well, I'll tell you what, right now, uh, right now in Auburn, there's some weird stuff going on with, you know, just a weird feeling going on right now with, um, you know, just everything going on with Auburn. There's some question marks, but I think the excitement is also really, uh, really starting to build a little bit uh, right now here in Auburn. So overall, I'd say that, like I said, excitement is building with Auburn. I think we're all just ready for the season to start. So season one under Brian Harson was okay but not up to Auburn standards now looking at season two especially with all the offseason drama you know just kind of give me your thoughts heading into the season being about three weeks away well you know obviously with everything that happened over the offseason there was a, a large chunk of people that didn't think Brian Harson would even be here at this point right there's a lot of people that 
did not know what the future of Auburn football looked like. They didn't know what the future of the head coach was going to be. And uh, he stuck it out and pretty much told some people uh, some things they didn't want to hear, but it worked out. And here we are, that Brian Harson's still the head coach of Auburn University. And so now I think it's a good thing that it happened. As bad as it was and as crazy as it was that it happened, uh, I think it was a good thing for Auburn, for, for them to, to have somebody to, to speak up and to not be what you would call a yes man. And I think that's a uh, great thing for Auburn. I think Auburn is better because of it. And I think the team has really rallied around Brian Harson. We saw a lot of guys leave and go different places and go to different schools, which is fine. Uh, and they took different opportunities. But uh, for the guys that are still here for Auburn, I think they've really rallied around Brian Harson. They've rallied around this program and what he's trying to do. And so when you talk to the guys on the team and you talk to the other coaches, the, the mindset and the mentality right now is let's go to work and let's try to prove some people wrong. And so far, I think they're, they're achieving that in practice. Obviously, we have to wait and see what happens on the field. i got to ask, last year, Brian Harson distributed hats to members of the media and he got ridiculed for it. And so this year, he, he kind of put it back in his own hands by distributing T-shirts that said, I went to Auburn practice and all I got was this shirt. I mean, just kind of talk about that and how he kind of took the criticism and kind of made a joke out of it. Well, I mean, yeah, last year he got a lot of flack for giving out hats and he thought he thought he was doing the right thing obviously when you cover a team uh, you can't really wear that type of memorabilia whatever but he really was just trying to do something nice he received a lot of a flack for that a lot of hate for it when there was really no need for that uh and so good for him man on the one year anniversary he decides to give out t-shirts and Look, they were nice T-shirts. They were Under Armour. I'm sure somebody's going to wear it. I mean, that's, that's not cheap stuff. You know how it is. And so, look, he, he's trying to, to build a little uh, relationship with the media because the media is important, and you want to have them on your side uh, and make sure that they are getting the information they need, but there's also that there's a good relationship between the head coach and the program and the media. And so, yeah, I mean, I think he had a little fun with it. This one seemed to be received a whole lot better than the hat situation last year. So good for Brian Harson, and, uh, well, I think everybody really enjoyed it. Talk about Zach Calzada coming in from Texas A&M, immediately inserting himself into the quarterback conversation. What impact has he made in, in that quarterback room for Auburn? Well, I think it creates competition, right? You know, obviously last year uh, with Bo Nix getting hurt, T.J. Finley finished out the year, and it didn't end the way anybody wanted it to here on the Plains. Um, we know that the, the five-game losing streak was not the way to end it after a 6-2 and two start. Of course, T.J. Finley finished out the year with the Iron Bowl and the bowl game, but you bring in a guy like Zach Calzada who he creates competition, and as of right now, it's still a quarterback competition. No starter has been named here yet. Uh, but it just, when you bring in a guy like Zach Calzada, who has SEC experience, who has a win over Alabama, and has a, a really unique skill set for a quarterback, again, it creates that competition and it makes everybody in the room play better and it makes everybody on the team play better as well. 
Uh, I still think I've been saying it uh, here at Auburn, but I think he's going to be the starter. I think he is uh, the best quarterback in the room. There's about three or four guys there right now with Zach Calzada, T.J. Finley, Robbie Ashford, and the freshman Holden Garner. Uh, I do think it's going to be Zach Calzada. I just think he has the better skill set. I think he has the better experience. And overall, I just think he's the better quarterback. Nothing against the other guys. And, and you know, Auburn fans are – are you know they like T.J. Finley and they like what he's done and he came in during a tough stretch last year and did his best and it obviously just wasn't wasn't what we needed at the time to try to beat Alabama, Houston in the bowl game, what have you. But I just think Zach Calzada is the he's the man. I think he is the best option for Auburn right now at quarterback, and I think that's who the starter will be coming up in about 22 days. Now looking at T.J. Finley. With the drama that's been going on with him, how do you think that's going to affect things at camp? Well, I mean, from what we've heard from from Brian Harson and some of the coaches, it seems like anything that's happened has pretty much been handled, and they've just been playing football and practicing. And for the most part, what we've seen at practice, the little bit of uh, availability that the media gets, uh, I think they're just playing football, and I think most of that stuff is behind them. And you wouldn't know it by the amount of reps that guys are getting in practice between Zach Calzada or T.J. Finley. I think they're both getting equal reps. Um, I mean, sure, it may affect the, the the way somebody views him a little bit, but, I mean, everybody's got some stuff going on. And so I don't think it's affecting uh, practice in camp as much as people would like to think. I really do think that – Everything that's happened has been handled, and overall, I think at practice right now, they're just playing football and trying to figure out who's going to be QB1. Chatting with Jacob Goins, host of On the Line, ESPN 106.7 in Auburn. Let's dive a little bit deeper into the roster and look at Tank Bigsby in the backfield. I mean, almost 2,000 yards in his career at Auburn, averaging nearly 5.5 yards a carry. Just talk about him and what makes him so special, not only as a runner on the field, but kind of taking a leadership role off the field. Well, what's so crazy about Tank is last year he ended up being one of the best running backs in the entire Southeastern Conference. And when you sit back and you start listening to somewhat of uh, what some of the coaches have been saying for Auburn, they said he's taken that next step up, that he's going to be even better this year than he was last year. And uh, there's times where we just sit back and think, how is that even possible, right? Because this guy is just so good. He's so fast, so physical, uh, and just is an unbelievable talent at the running back position. But they think he's taken that next step and he's going to be even better than he was last year. So he was already one of the best running backs in the SEC. I think he can become one of the best running backs in the entire country. And people rally around that on the team. You heard him talk, uh, or we've heard him talk during the offseason and even during a little bit here in fall camp. And people rally around him because he is such a hard worker. And he's one of those guys that during the craziness of the offseason, he had the chance to leave and, and thought about doing so. He was up in the air about whether he wanted to, to go somewhere else and play college football or stay at Auburn and, win, and stick it out with Brian Harson And Obviously, it turns out he decided to stick it out, and I think that is going to be the right decision. But people respect that, and I think uh, the players on the team 
They see him as a leader on and off the field, like you mentioned, just because of his actions to stay with Auburn, stick it out with Brian Harson, because the players think they're building something special here. And for somebody who is as good as Tank Bigsby, who, let's be honest, man, he could play anywhere in the country uh, and be a starter at the running back position, he decided to stay in Auburn. And so I think that spoke to a uh, big-time leadership role off the field. And then, of course, when he's on the field, he's just so, so good. And he has such an impact on the game. And, and the running back room for Auburn right now, not just Tank Bigsby, but Jarquez Hunter right behind him. Those two guys are uh, – that's as good as a one-two punch as you're going to get around the SEC. So Tank Bigsby, he's the man. And I really do think if he takes that next step up like they're talking about he has, he'll be one of the best running backs in college football. Let's talk about the pass catchers. Who do you, who is standing out to you, and who's going to make an impact, especially tight end John Samuel Schenker? Well, there's no doubt that there is a uh, a big question mark right now in the wide receiver room, just because of the performance of the wide receivers last year for Auburn, right? And you know, you start looking at the guys on the roster, and even before they step on the field. When you look at the guys on this roster for Auburn in the wide receiver room and even in the tight end room, the thing that sticks out to me is just the amount of talent that there is uh, in, these, in these wide receiver rooms and tight end rooms. And you start looking up and down, and you just think, again, there's so much talent here. And whether it be Coy Moore, the sophomore, or Tarveris Dawson, the redshirt freshman, who's gotten a ton of praise this year already in, during fall camp, from the, uh, from the Auburn coaches, or a guy like Javarius Johnson, who has a little bit more uh, experience as a junior, or Shredder Jackson, the senior. That's one of the guys that I look at that has to step up and be that leader in the wide receiver room for Auburn. Maybe not the go-to guy for the Tigers, but uh, a guy that has that experience, who is a senior, he's the only senior in the wide receiver room, who can be that leader for some of the younger guys like a Javarius Johnson, who is that junior, maybe tie him in with that. But like a Landon King as a sophomore or Camden Brown as a freshman who has gotten a ton of praise from Auburn coaches this offseason. So I, I don't know if I could put it on just one singular guy that's going to be the it guy because I don't think we know who that's going to be yet. But there's a lot of talent in this wide receiver room. And then you talk about a little bit the, uh, the tight ends. You've got, uh, of course, John Samuel Shanker, who is going to be the go-to guy as a tight end for Auburn this year. And what's exciting now is Auburn has some good tight ends, but they also have a coaching staff that wants to use them. And I think that's really important because not just using them to be run blockers, but to actually go out and catch some passes. And to do that, you know, go out and catch passes and be a threat on the field because that'll take a little bit of pressure off of those wide receivers. If, it, if there's a tight end on the field who can catch a pass, now the defense has to actually guard him and play protection on him, right? So that's what is so important to me. You look at John Samuel Shaker. I mean, he's just so, so good at that tight end position. And I think not that he's going to go off and just have crazy, crazy stats this year, but I think he's going to be a huge impact player at that tight end position. He is a good run blocker, but he can also catch anything. He is a 50-50 ball type of guy, especially down in the red zone. So you look at him as that go-to guy as a tight end, uh, but I think the tight ends are going to take so much pressure off of the wide receivers. But there's about three or four of them in the tight end room. You take Tyler Fromm or Micah Riley-Ducker, who they can all be major impact players at the tight end position as well. Talk about the lines, J.J., offensive and defensive. You know, guys to watch. What are some strengths and weaknesses, things like that? 
Well, the offensive line, again, that's another room that has a uh, uh, big question mark on it because it's not a lack of talent and it's not a lack of, uh, of experience. These guys are all seniors and juniors. They've been here for a long time. Most of them have been playing their entire time together. And this is really the year for Auburn to, to put it together at the offensive line. It's now or never for these guys. And uh, I think that I think it will come together this year. Not necessarily that it's going to be the, uh, the best offensive line in the SEC. I'm not saying anything like that. I think it can be one of the best. But there's some talent on this offensive line. And you look at a guy like Cameron Studs. And you look at uh, Tate Johnson and Nick Brahms, who have that experience and are really, really good. It just seems like they haven't been able to put it together just yet. But I think this year will be that year. I like Nick Brahms a lot on that offensive line. I think he has some of the most experience and some of the most just leadership. Austin Troxell's another guy at senior uh, who just – Again, seniority, I think, is going to be really, really big for this offensive line. And then talking about the defensive line a little bit, I mean, you talk about talent on the defensive line. It's just unbelievable. It's everywhere. I mean, just wherever you want to look. A guy that really catches my eye that is coming on as of late is Marquise Burks. I think he is, and everybody calls him Keese. Uh, he is a, a massive human being. He is just so big and so fast and so physical, and I think he's going to be one of the guys on that defensive line that, that really have a major impact because Auburn historically has those guys on the defensive line that can create havoc. Of course, they have linebackers and stuff, too, over the years that have, have been able to make an impact. But Auburn's had some big defensive linemen come through over the years. Can they do that again? I don't think the defense is going to be something we have to worry about for Auburn this year. I think it's going to be a strength. Looking at the scheduled, you know, brutal October for, for the Tigers with LSU, Georgia, Ole Miss, and Arkansas, you know, as a team, you start off with, with a couple of, of good opponents with guys like Mercer and so on, but that brutal October, how do you overcome that? Well, I think you just take it one game at a time. You know, you take your first five games at home. You try to take care of business in those. You got to go four and one or five and zero. Oh. I mean, it's high expectations, but you got to you got to start out hot in those first five games because if you don't, then the whole season's just going to be derailed, and that's just going to be the end of that. So I think you start off hot in those first five games. Look, you got to go to Georgia for your first road game. That's extremely tough. That's not a game that most Auburn fans or people here in Auburn are expecting to win, but you do want to go and play well, and you do want to have a um, you do want to have the expectation to play well. But obviously, that's going to be a very very tough game, especially your first SEC road game of the season. You turn around and go to Ole Miss the very next week. I think it's a winnable game for Auburn. You have to play uh, Arkansas, like you mentioned later on. I think that's a winnable game, but that is at home here in Jordan Hare Stadium. So. Look, it's a tough October. It's a tough schedule, but Auburn is, is used to a tough schedule. They play one of the toughest schedules every single year in college football. I mean, look, Auburn's the only team in the nation that plays Alabama and Georgia every single year. So having a tough schedule is nothing new. It's nothing that scares them. But, again, you've got to take it one week at a time because if you look at it as a whole, it's very intimidating. And if you start losing games back-to-back, -back, uh, the snowball gets even bigger, and sometimes you won't be able to slow it down and you just keep piling up losses because this is the SEC. There are no, there are no off weeks. There's no, no game that you overlook. Even Auburn playing somebody like Missouri in those first five games that's not a game you overlook because if you don't show up and play they can beat you so looking at that month of October I say get through September 1st and worry about October when you get there 
Jacob Goins, host of On the Line. You can catch him weekdays 2 to 4 ESPN 106.7 in Auburn. Jacob, really appreciate you taking the time, man. Have a great weekend, great work over there on the Plains, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. There he goes, Jacob Goen, host of On the Line, Mondays through Friday, 2 to 4, ESPN 106.7. Really appreciate him taking the time. Let's take a time out, bring you more crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh after this. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Welcome back. It's crunch time with me, Gaz, and Mesh right here on The Game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 56 minutes after 4 o'clock. Got a couple minutes left in hour number one. Recapping hour number one, we talked about the John Calipari conundrum and how that's just not smart from a public relations standpoint. We talked about the Field of Dreams game last night and the Harry Carey hologram, and then we just spent some time with Jacob Goins talking about the Auburn Tigers or the War Eagles or the the, the Plainsmen or the five different mascots that that they have over there on the Plains. But a great insight into the Tigers as LSU will head over to Jordan-Hare Stadium on October 1st. For that one... Hour number two, Jake's Takes with Jake Crane of Crane and & Company. And then in the back half, we've got some Saints audio from training camp to get into and more of your phone calls on the hotline, 706-0111. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two, you won't want to miss it. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Much more of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh coming up after this top of the hour sports update from CBS Sports. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Our number two of a Friday fun show. It's Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on The Game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 502 here in Acadiana. So let me be the first to officially welcome you to your weekend. You know, lots going on in the world of sports, from John Calipari to creepy holograms to preseason football. Let's talk about all of it. It's time for Jake's Takes with Crane and Company's Jake Crane. Jake, my man, happy Friday to you. What's going on? Happy Friday, fellas. Uh, just means we're another Saturday closer. Uh, just getting ready for the weekend, man. A little bit of preseason football tonight. Okay, so question number one. Watch the show today like I like I do most days out of the week, but I got to ask you, man. Make, make this make sense for me. Blaine hates chocolate cake and likes brownies and loves chocolate ice cream. It makes no sense to me. 
Yeah, man, something's wrong with that guy. Uh, you know, I, we tried to dive into it a little bit on the show, you know, that and obviously mix in a little bit of sports. You know, he, he's the same guy that does everything right-handed but writes left-handed. Like, I don't know what star system or what spaceship dropped him off on planet Earth, but uh, we're still trying to figure it out. Nobody can explain it to me, and I don't even think he can explain it. <laughs> Give me your thoughts on on the first couple of preseason games last night as the Giants took down the Patriots and then the Ravens took down the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, well, breaking news, Daniel Jones still sucks, so uh that's that wasn't shocking. Tyrod Taylor needs to be the quarterback for that team and and look, you you can only get so much out of the preseason. Uh I I don't dismiss it fully because again, you know, it's it's football's back and and I'll take any football uh, at this point. But then, you know, you look at the Titans-Ravens. Uh, it seems like the Ravens win every preseason game they play, but I really liked what I saw from Malik Willis. Obviously, there's some room to improve there, but, you know, seeing the young guys at, at quarterback and some of the new guys move around out there uh, that you might not get to see on a regular basis once the regular season starts. And, uh, you know, interested to see how it goes tonight. Uh, you got, I mean, five games in the lineup. I took both of my show bets on it. You know, betting preseason football is kind of is what it is. But like I said, uh, I'm done betting baseball at this point. So you're a Braves fan. Are you also an Atlanta Falcons fan? Well, no, I man, I'm I'm more of a Saints fan than anything. Um, you know, growing up in the state of Alabama, and, and my father played for the Packers and the Oilers. Now they're the Texans. So I'm a little bit of a Packers fan. But growing up in the state of Alabama, we didn't have any pro teams. You know, it was it was college. You know, or bust. So really, you you kind of grew close to a team that that may be on a neighboring state. Obviously, Atlanta's pretty close to to Auburn. My my father was a Braves fan uh, as well growing up. But no, I never really kind of gravitated toward the Falcons. It was more toward the Saints. Um, so yeah, I would say uh, Saints Packers really on the NFL side for me. Let's talk about John Calipari. You know, he he said that Kentucky's a basketball school which isn't a false statement. I think you and I can both agree on that. However, you know, my, my point is from an optics stance, you just don't say things like that. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I let it off with the show today. I'm about to put the, the opening of the show on social media here in our This Ain't It category. This helps nobody. Like any I, – I even challenged our Kentucky audience on the show. Somebody tell me how this is a good thing. You know, you, friendly fire is never the move. And, and, you know, like we were talking about, it makes you better when, when another major sport is good. It makes your guys want to be good. I mean, you know, Auburn goes to the Final Four a couple of years ago. The football team looks at each other like, hey, man, we need to have a big year. You know, we, we, it, 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 it motivates your team. It motivates your fan base. And, like, why take a shot at, at Mark Stoops? And I know you didn't directly mean it. And, and is what you said false? But no, I, I don't need to know that, you know, not to walk out into traffic or, hey, don't go up and try and touch a grizzly bear in the wild. Why, why are you saying obvious things to me that I know? And, and Mark Stoops was right to kind of clap back at him because nobody does less with more than John Calipari and nobody does more with less than Mark Stoops. That's why Mark Stoops is the best coach in Lexington. And I feel like Calipari is a little bit peanut butter and jelly here, Matt. And and uh, everybody said, and some Kentucky fans are like, well, you know, he was just saying that so they can get that practice facility upgrade ASAP. 
if you're such a basketball school, why are you out here having to beg like Oliver Twist for resources? Calipari said, oh, well, you know, Alabama's a football school. Georgia's a football school. Yeah, you think Kirby's begging for resources? You think Saban's going up to the boosters like, oh, please, please give me a few shekels to build a new practice facility. Cal's always been about Cal. You just got bounced by a school that has like 800 kids that go to it. By middle school, people, more people know about the middle school I went to than the team that just beat you in the NCAA tournament. So at this point, Coach Cal just needs to shut up and try and win something that matters for the first time in almost a decade. I agree. Now, I want to switch back. We had the Field of Dreams game last night, the second rendition, but this time they tapped more into the technology and had a super hyper-realistic of Harry Callie hologram. I personally liked it because I like whenever it's more realistic and it's almost as lifelike as you can make it. Same thing with like Madden. We hope for the next generation to look even more clear and less clunky and less pixely. What did you think of the hologram? No, I, I don't like it, man. I, I don't trust the robots. Uh, I, I don't trust them. Will Smith's getting too old. He can't save us again. He's too busy fighting Chris Rock. I just, you know, holograms are cool until they turn on you. Like, I just, again, we're out there, you know, doing, like, gain-of-function research and building these robots that you can strap guns to and they can walk around. Why are we doing this? My answer, kill it, kill it now. Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company. Uh, I'm trying to to stay composed, but you're killing me over here, man. All right, college football, Big Ten. You know, ESPN pulled out of, of the negotiations for their media rights deal. It seems like it's going to be a split deal between Fox, CBS, and NBC. Mm-hmm. Big Big Ten getting paid? Oh yeah, look, everybody's getting paid now. I mean, it's it seems like it's kind of going around. Look, we're going to have ESPN is going to take on Fox slash CBS, NBC, whatever, and then go fight the Klingons for interstellar domination. I would not be surprised if at the end of the day, seven, ten years from now, we have two mega conferences, one called Fox and one called ESPN. Uh, But you look at the ripple effect uh, of the ESPN pulling out of the, the Big Ten. I mean, now there's no more ACC Big Ten challenge, it looks like, in college basketball. Uh, it's a weird time, and it seems like, you know, college football is changing in every aspect possible, from players getting paid to basically free agency in the transfer portal to conference realignment. You know, I don't know what's next. Are they going to paint the ball yellow? Like they're just—it's like they're trying to change everything at once. But it's all driven by what we're seeing uh, in the media. So it's going to be weird this fall. Uh, come 3.30, you're seeing a, a Big Ten game on CBS, but, you know, it kind of is what it is. Life's a game of adjustments, and, and we'll just see how it goes. Let's talk about Utah, which is a program that, that a lot of people are keeping their eye on in college football. 10-4 and four last year. They went 8-1 and one in the conference, won the Pac-12 championship, went to the Rose Bowl, and then gave Ohio State just about everything they could handle. How for real in your mind are the Utes, and can Kyle Winningham and Cam Rising maybe put that team in the playoffs this year? Well, you know, I got I got Utah running to the Pac-12 undefeated, which you know hasn't happened. Um, I think Kyle Winningham is probably one of of three of the most underrated coaches in the country, uh, not just from an ability to recruit, but his teams. You know, they're, they're pretty complete. They're, they're always pretty good on special teams, defense, and offense. 
I'm really big on Cam Rising. I, you know, I love what they return offensively. The defense is going to be a little interesting. I actually got them losing to Florida in the swamp and then running through the uh, Pac-12. Remember, they started out 1-2 and two last year, and then Devin Lloyd just freaked out for the rest of the year. It's a guy who's going to be a hell of a player already already is pretty much in the NFL. Uh, but, you know, when I look at this team, I don't think they're going to make the playoff, uh, even going undefeated through the Pac-12 uh, with that loss to Florida. Um, but if they do, you know, make it to the Pac-12 championship game, that's going to be interesting. You know, get an Oregon rematch, too, from last year, a team they beat twice. I just don't think they're play- that they – I don't think the Pac-12 is going to have enough juice, honestly, and I don't think they're going to run the table. What I think you're going to end up have, have happening is you're going to have Utah with one, maybe two losses. I think you're going to have Clemson with maybe one regular season loss. Maybe they go lose at Notre Dame. But unfortunately, I feel like we're going to have Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and Ohio State. Yay! Same movie. I can't wait to watch it again. It's going to be great. Uh, and, I mean, that's probably a must bet for you. But looking at bets right now, you talked about how baseball, you don't want to touch it anymore. But right now, we um, don't have basketball. And we're not yet to college football, and we're not into the NFL. We're at the preseason stages. What bets are you looking at right now? I can t- I can guarantee you, Jake's bet little league. Well, look if they if they let me, if you know some spreads, I'll, I'll take the kids. Well, you know I will say this uh, about little league. You know it's changed a lot. Number one, I think Dixie Youth would absolutely slaughter little league if they let us play. If y'all put us, us on TV, my twelve year old team would run those kids out of the gym. But. You know, when I'm looking now, you got kids crying on the mound after after you hit a kid who turned out to be okay. I don't know, man. It's just uh, we're just getting soft. But, you know, my bet, I went preseason, guys, because I've done betting baseball. I'm sick of it. I can't stand it. I know preseason is, is just about as random as anything, but it's football, and I will bet it because we have to do show bets every day, and I enjoy uh, betting. I took Today I took the Cardinals money line. Uh, I like the backup QB situation there, Trace McSorley, uh, Colt McCoy. And then my second bet, I believe, I can look it up for one second. Uh, Yeah, I took the Eagles plus one and a half at minus 125. Uh, I feel like, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to play a little bit. Uh, I I like those two. But, yeah, I'm I'm done betting baseball. People who bet baseball only, you guys are psychopaths. I don't know how you do it. So uh, best of luck to you. Now, staying on the topic of football, Deshaun Watson probably going to play at least a little bit for the Cleveland Browns tonight as he awaits his suspension ruling. What are your thoughts on him playing? What are maybe some expectations you have for his performance? Well, you know, he's going to have to have some guys on the outside give him a hand. Uh, he's going to need some help there. But when you look at when you look at all the, you know, the the media stuff, and and I think he's going to get a year. I, I know how the NFL plays this game. They came out. Sue Robinson said it was the most egregious thing they've ever reviewed, but then they she only said six games. There was backlash. So then all of a sudden, Adam Schefter tweets out the NFL may indefinitely suspend Deshaun Watson, which is on the total other extreme. So it's going to be somewhere in the middle. Uh, they'll suspend him for a year. I think he'll play a couple series. I think the Browns, it's an absolute mess over there. I don't think Marty Huggins could clean it up right now. Kareem Hunt wants a trade. They said no. It seems like seems like the Browns are just – there's always something happening, and it's never good. But uh, we'll see him. He's a hell of a football player. But, man, I mean, you went through 70 masseuses. Like, in, in I mean, who does that? Like, what, it's just a little weird to me, man. I don't get it. 
last question here in this opening segment before you you hang out for another one. Deshaun Watson said that he'd be willing to take an eight-game suspension and a fine of $5 million. Do you think that's fair? Do you think that's something the NFL will look at? No, I, I don't think they'll let him name his own suspension. Now, again, people are always like, oh, well, you know, he sat out a year that time, sir. He was still getting paid, okay? That's not a true suspension. No, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry you're getting paid to do nothing uh, for breaking the personal conduct uh, policy while you're being investigated. I think they're going to give him a year. I think he'll have a, it'll be a full year suspension without pay, uh, and then they'll kind of just shake their hands and, and go about it. And look, I'm not involved in the case. I know that just because you settle doesn't mean you're guilty, but just because you settle doesn't mean you're innocent. So I, I think it's just an absolute mess. Obviously, they want to put it behind them, but I know the NFL is about making money. They want every franchise to have a lot of hope because hope sells tickets, hope sells hot dogs, and hope sells jerseys. Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company. Don't go anywhere. Jake's coming back for another segment right after this. You're listening to The Game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 12, 1994. Members of the Major League Baseball Players Association go on strike. The strike leads to only the second cancellation of the World Series, the other taking place in 1904. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh on a Friday fun show. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 20 minutes after the hour. All right, Jake, part two. Now that we know that you're a Saints fan, these questions become a whole lot easier. Do you agree with the national media that thinks the Saints are going to struggle this year? You know, I mean, we we, we got to define the expectation, I think. I mean, do I think the Saints are, are going to win the Super Bowl? No. Do I think they're going to make the playoff? Yeah. You know, I, Jameis does some good things. Like, he can – he's he's the most athletic, goofy person I've ever seen in my life. Like, like he – and you know, Sam Darnold was a little bit that way. But, you know, I, I think they have some pieces, obviously, with Michael Thomas being healthy. You look at Kamara uh, defensively. You know, again, they have some pieces. I don't think they're elite. Dennis Allen, I, I think he's going to do a good job. It's going to take him some time, though. So I don't, I don't think they'll struggle from the sense of I think they'll make the postseason. I don't think it's going to be an absolute disaster. Now, uh, another quarterback that, that had a great performance last night in his first taste of the NFL is Malik Willis. Talk about his performance last night and how you think that changes, maybe changes things down the line in, in Tennessee. Well, again, he showed you he's not afraid. I mean, he did some really good things. He's still got some work to, to do. But I did I did notice that hitch from his throwing motions gone. Uh, and if you look, you know, Malik is a pretty natural thrower of the ball. There's things we can always get better at. But you saw his toughness when he pulled it down and ran. He's got to be careful, though. The NFL is obviously a little bit different than college, especially at Liberty. But the speed didn't look overwhelming when I watched him operate. So, uh, you know, I think Malik has a, has a lot of potential. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. 
Uh, I guarantee you the Titans are pretty happy they took Malik and not Kenny Pickett at this point because apparently Kenny Pickett wouldn't uh, wouldn't start for the Seahawks right now. So it's uh, I think he's got a bright future. You know, being in Nashville, I'm excited to see it. I don't think Tannehill's a guy you can win a Super Bowl with down the road. You know, at least Malik showed you uh, he's tough. He can handle the moment. It's going to be awfully interesting. Now let's play a little game, Jake. Start bench oh, man, cut. I sound like the guy from Saul. <laughs> Let's play a game. <laughs> I got a couple QBs for you. Start bench cut. Justin okay. Fields, Kenny Pickett, or Trey Lance. Oh man. Um, God, I'd rather go on the view than have to make this decision. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's. Uh, what was that? What was the first one? Justin Fields. Justin Fields. Let's start Trey Lance. Let's bench Justin Fields and I, Kenny Pickett's got to bring his playbook. You got to turn it in. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. Uh, I, I'm not sold. It's not because you have little hands. I just don't think you're good enough, and you can't slide cancel everybody out there like you did in college. Justin Fields has no weapons around him. Uh, I think Malik Willis and Justin Fields. I know you didn't say Malik, but I think those guys are, are kind of comparable. But it's an absolute disaster in Chicago right now. That's another organization that I just don't understand. The receiving core is absolutely mid. I mean, even Roquan Smith's like looking for lifeboats at this point. Uh, so I'll play Justin Fields, uh, but but Kenny Pickett, man, or excuse me, I'll play Trey Lance. I'll bench Justin Fields, and and Kenny Pickett's got to go. I don't know if Trey Lance is going to be that good. Uh, it's I, I haven't believed in him. I mean, again, I, we've thrown about the same amount of passes in our career. So, uh, but I, but out of that three, I'll start Trey. I completely agree. Now, looking at the tailbacks, you got Derrick Henry, CMC, and Jonathan Taylor. Who are you starting benching and cutting? Oh, man. I'm going to go ahead. This is tough. I'm going to have to cut McCaffrey because you can't stay healthy. You can't help me on the bench. All right? I know you're a witch of the highest order, but it's you know it's like he's made like put put together with bubble gum. Like eventually, he's just gonna break. Uh, I know Derrick Henry just did get hurt, but he doesn't have a huge injury history, and he's put together like when all the Power Rangers come together to form the Mega Ranger. Uh, so I'll play Derrick Henry. I'll bench Jonathan Taylor, but stay hot. All right, we need depth at running back. Those guys take take a beating. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's an absolute stud. But yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll roll it out, and then uh, yeah, Christian, you have to bring me your playbook. But it's not because I don't think you're good; it's because you can't stay healthy. All right, Jake, let's look at the Saints' schedule. I'm gonna go through each game, and you tell me win or loss. Saints yeah. open at Atlanta. Win. Home against Tampa. Loss. Ooh, okay. At Carolina. Win. Home against well in London against Minnesota. Win. Clumsy Kirk Cousins. Home against Seattle. No, win. Home against Cincy. Oh. You know what? Give me a win. I'm not blame sold on the Bengals again this year. I'm not sold on them. At Arizona on a Thursday night. Four-day turnaround. Is, is the new Call of Duty out yet or not by then? I do not know. All right, then I, you don't know, I'll take the Cardinals. I know Kyler will watch film that week. It was not out. <laughs> the Vegas Raiders in New Orleans. Loss. Baltimore in New Orleans. Loss. Uh, win. Win. On the road in Pittsburgh. Win. Home against the Rams. 
you know what? I think the city will be absolutely litty for that one. G- give me New Orleans. Give me the Saints. Who that? At San Francisco. A weird loss. There's always that a couple weird regular season losses for the Saints. How did we go out there and lose to Trey Lance? At Tampa. Yeah, that's an L. Okay, home against Atlanta. That's uh, literally will will be cl- about as close to homicide as you can get in sports. And at, at Cleveland. Well, I think Deshaun's going to be out a year, so go ahead and rack that uh, rack that win up. At Philly. Loss. And then home against Carolina. Win. What do I got him at? So you've got one, two, three, four, five. You got him at eleven and six. Which, Not bad, which that's, that's about Dennis where the menace, baby. That's about where I have them. So that's pretty. That's pretty accurate. Um, you love to see it. All right, I got I got two more for you, and these are not sports related. I, so ever since we started this segment a couple weeks ago, the the biggest piece of praise that I've gotten about it is the phrases that you come up with. <laughs> where like where where do they come from, man? Man, I, you know, I could ask that all the time. I I don't have, like, a book, or I don't, like, write them down. I probably should. I feel like I'm, like, the Dr. Seuss of our time. But, uh, no, man, I've always been like that. You know, me, me and my friends always talk that way. My dad talked that way. He spoke in analogies. Like, my dad, you know, a lot of people don't, don't know because he, he was, like, an old-school linebacker, like, kind of old-school. He was hilarious. Like, and, and most of the stuff I say isn't what he said. There's a couple things. Um you know, that I've said sometimes that he said, but it's just how I talk, man. It's just kind of how, how I operate. I mean, happier than a fat kid in a Pop-Tarts factory. Um, I mean, that's just that's just one of many. And whether it's your monologues at the beginning of the show or when you do the going, going, gone at the end, there's always <laughs> there's always a great line. So oh, I appreciate it. My, my favorite one, I said we were talking about uh, Georgia the other day and you know, they got the best tight end room since the backstage changing area at a Victoria's Secret show. So, um, you know, stuff like that. We have a good time. We like to, to mix that in. I like to keep Cone on his toes as well. <laughs> oh, my God. Jake Crane, the host of Crane & Company, joins us for Jake's Takes each and every Friday. Jake, you're the man. Appreciate you as always. And uh, we'll do it again next week, man. All right, all right, man. Sounds good. College football's almost here, everybody. Let's look in each other's eyes and get excited. I appreciate y'all. There he goes, Jake Crane. <laughs> Let's take a timeout. <laughs> we'll bring you more crunch time with Miguez and Mesh on the other side. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back into crunch time with me, guys. And Mesh right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Met me, guys, James Mesh. 34 minutes after 5 o'clock. We told y'all it was going to be fun. We told you that you should probably stick around. Great stuff from Jake Crane, as always, for Jake's takes. Quick update. 
The FedEx Cup playoffs have started in the world of golf with the FedEx St. Jude Championship over there in Memphis, Tennessee. So far, a three-way tie for first between Sepp Stratka, Troy Merritt, and J.J. Spawn all at 10-under. Tony Finau, dominant as of late, close behind at 8-under. Cameron Smith, the latest defector to LIV, he's right there at 8-under as well. Kevin Kisner, 7-under. Sam Burns, Louisiana product, 7-under. Will Zalatoris, 6-under. Justin Thomas, 6-under. Max Homa, 5-under. Davis Riley, 4-under. Colin Morikawa and John Rahm and Xander Shoffley, all 4-under as well. Round 2 getting ready to come to a close. The cut line looking to be about 2-under. So as of right now, who's going to miss it? Rory McIlroy, Keegan Bradley, Scotty Scheffler. couple other big names to keep an eye on. Brendan Steele, Joel Damon, Matt Kuscher, Harold Varner III, some big names. Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth at four over. He's not making the weekend. Very unfortunate uh, for some of these guys in the hunt for the FedEx Cup uh, to, to miss the cut at event number one of the series. Real quickly as well, NFL preseason currently going on. You've got the Detroit Lions and the Atlanta Falcons playing currently. Three seconds left in the first quarter on NFL Network. It is a tie 7-7 to between the Lions and the Falcons. So far, Marcus Mariota, 2-for-2 two for, two for 36 yards. Drake London has a 24-yard reception. The two touchdowns, one was scored by DeAndre Swift for the Lions and the Marcus Mariota for the Atlanta Falcons. Once again, into the first quarter, 7-7 seven to seven in that one. I did just get an interesting quote. Okay. This comes from Aditi Kwikabwala. She was formerly of the NFL Network. It's a quote from Deshaun Watson before he got on the Browns team bus today. I'm truly sorry to all the women that I've impacted in this situation. There are decisions that I've made in my life that put me in this position I would definitely like to have back. So is he admitting that he did what he's being accused of doing? I am not totally sure. But it's it's a very interesting quote, to say the least. Interesting. The Falcons have also announced that wide receiver Drake London has a knee injury Uh and will not return tonight. Yeah, he shut down for the rest of the preseason. Jeez. You better hope it's only the rest of the preseason. Yikes. Well, whether he's... Whether he's good to go and it's just like a little some. Well, yeah, no, he, he's either, definitely not playing again. Either way, whether it's a serious injury or not, right. he's done for the rest of the preseason. That way you don't risk anything. No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. All right, Saints audio. Yesterday, Dennis Allen, Chris Olave, Trevor Penning, and even Nichols product Dejon Dixon went to the podium to speak with the media. And Dennis Allen had a lot to say, but one of the main topics he touched on Ian Book is looking better. I've definitely seen some improvement. He's still, you know, he's got a ways to go, but I've seen some improvement just in terms of understanding the offense, being able to get in and out of the huddle, like simple things that you don't really think of. I think he's much improved in that area. I think he's more confident with what he's doing. You know, I think one of his skill sets that I really like is his ability to kind of go off schedule a little bit. I think that's uh, at times when, when I've seen him kind of be at his best. So. I, I, I see him getting some significant action in this preseason game. 
He also spent some time talking about the aggression of rookie offensive lineman Trevor Pinnock. I see a guy that plays hard, extremely hard, on every single play. Are there some times where we got to pull back the range a little bit? Yeah. But I wouldn't classify that any differently than anybody else. He just plays hard, and he plays from, from snap to whistle, and that's what you want him to do. So um, I kind of like it. On the flip side of that same topic, Trevor Penning spoke with the media, and his main message is that he's been learning. Yeah, I'd say as a rookie, I mean all rookies, you're basically learning a bunch of technique that just it's new to you. You, you don't really know much about it. That's anywhere you go. I mean, even going into, from high school to college, you learn a bunch of new different stuff, a bunch of stuff's being thrown at you. So, um, yeah, it, it's a lot to learn, but it's kind of it's kind of starting to all make sense now. I can play much faster. I don't have to quite think as much. I can kind of just, it's just kind of, you just go now. Also, Trevor Penning addressed the viral fight videos. I think personally, that's I think I went you know I went to the whistle. I played my game. You know we're competing. We're competing out here. Football's physical. It's tough. So I think I you know there's maybe a couple that were like okay I got to maybe chill. And my coaches they said that. I mean they're like okay can't do that. I'm like okay and you learn from it and you you get better from it. And but I'm not going to take away the physical part of my game. But I'm going to be smart with it. And Dejon Dixon, former Nichols wide receiver, had two things to say. One is, he answered the question, what do you feel you have to prove? I feel like I don't really have to prove anything to anybody. I'm just trying to see how good I can be. You know, I'm trying to reach my full potential as a player. The other message he had is that he belongs right here in New Orleans. Uh, I've always believed that, you know, I belonged here. That's what I, this is what I worked for. I'm getting closer and closer to my dreams. All right, James. A couple of things in the national news to, to get to. The Lakers have said that until they can trade Westbrook, they're going to be searching for ways to, quote-unquote, hide him. They're hoping that he could be a corner three specialist. Ooh, good how, luck with that. How desperate do the Lakers sound by hoping to pull that off? Pretty. And the fact that you're even mentioning that also worries me. It's like, why are you telling your plan to the media to where all the other 29 teams can know what you're going to do whenever it comes to you going against them? Why would you do that? It makes no sense. And according to Jovan Bua, believes that the Lakers will trade Russell Westbrook. Um, he's not reporting anything, it's just an opinion, but he recently stated on a podcast that he believes the Lakers, who have consistently postured their unwillingness to give up two first-round draft picks to get off of Westbrook, will ultimately send out the two future first in a deal with Brooklyn to bring back Kyrie Irving that would also likely include one of Joe Harris, Seth Curry, or Royce O'Neal. I just find it baffling that you would want to trade for any one of those players. Here's here's I get it. They're ultimately talented, but is it really worth it? Well, here's here's my biggest question with this. Yes, it's obvious that you want to move on from Russell Westbrook. That experiment did not work. But again, we, we talked the other day about the definition of insanity. Why would you trade away one failed experiment to create another experiment? 
that has already failed in the past. Well, it's not necessarily experiment if you've seen LeBron and Kyrie work together and they win a championship. Now, granted, that was six, seven years ago. And LeBron isn't and the second, LeBron of what he was. And the second that they won a title, what happened? That whole thing fell apart. The whole thing fell apart. And, not to mention, did Kyrie really help in winning that title? He was a very big part of it. Yes. Very big part of it. It was LeBron 1, Kyrie 2, and then you delegated Kevin Love to being the corner three specialist that you want Russell Westbrook to be. Oh, wait, it was the year after that that he got hurt, wasn't it? Kyrie? Yeah. Well, Kyrie gets hurt all the time. Well, no, what what year did Kyrie get hurt in the playoffs and he was out the rest of the year? Was That that was the year after they Kyrie, won the title. Well, Kyrie got injured in the first Warriors versus Cavs finals. Okay, that's what it was and, the year and before. And Kevin, Kevin Love was hurt previously. Then that's what so it was that's why it was before. LeBron by himself. And then the next year. Okay, so I got, I got the years or, mixed up. Two years down the line. Yeah, so I, I got the years mixed up there. I was thinking that the year that they won was the year that Kyrie got hurt and LeBron did it all on his own. But now I remember because Ky- Kyrie hit the three yep. to seal. In game seven. Yeah. And you also have to remember looking at the stats, Kyrie and LeBron, they both were averaging the same amount of points. Right. It was just LeBron yeah. had more like assists and a little more rebounds. I had the years mixed up. That's all that was. So and here's another big story. So Carlos Correa leaves the Astros because couldn't get a deal that they wanted. Astros ultimately believed that Jeremy Pena was ready, and it's kind of been proven that he is. Well, now there's a story coming out that Carlos Correa is likely to opt out of his contract and become a free agent at the end of the season. Grass isn't always greener. Now, granted... Hindsight's twenty twenty takes two to tango, and the hindsight's twenty twenty. But you know, it's I'm interested to see, you know, maybe where he ends up. He hasn't had a great year. He's played eighty six games. He's hitting two sixty four with a three forty on base percentage and a four twenty slugging percentage. He's got thirteen homers, and uh, the RBI number isn't there. But you know. And obviously it's going to come down to who needs a shortstop at the end of the season. But again, it's interesting because you left the team that drafted you and developed you and you won a World Series with all because of money. And now you just want to hit the free agent market again. I got $5 saying he's going to the L.A. Dodgers. Because the Dodgers can just... They're, they're the Yankees of the early 2000s. They're just going to pay to put the best possible team together and that be that. So I would not be surprised if he's wearing Dodger blue next season. In other Astros news, Michael Brantley had season-ending surgery on his right shoulder earlier this week, according to Astros general manager James Click. The five-time All-Star underwent an arthroscopic labral tear repair. Brantley is 35. He's been on the injured list since June 27th, which back then they called it shoulder discomfort. You see, that's 
that's the thing. And and I understand, you know, James Click said that at the time they didn't realize how severe it was. And uh, okay, maybe. But also, the Astros have a history of, and the Saints used to do it too with Sean Payton, trying to underplay injuries. Oh, it's shoulder discomfort. He has a torn tendon that needed surgery. Like there's a there's a vast difference there. Or you know, I, I love how in depth they tend to get with injuries. I remember Zion missed a game maybe two years ago with fifth finger discomfort. What? Can't you just say his pinky's bothering him? Fifth finger. Like, why are we getting so technical? The dude's got a sprained pinky finger. He's out. Okay. Like, why Why do you have to sit here and make us think more than we already do? Because your fifth finger could be your thumb. But it could also be your pinky. Like, which way are you looking at it? Are you going left to right or are you going right to left? And I know I'm getting way off track here, but, like, you get my point. Like, just be up front. Like, it is what it is. So, again, Astros, Michael Brantley, season-ending shoulder surgery. At the age of 35, it begs the question, have Astros fans seen the last of Michael Brantley in an Astros uniform? The Houston Astros do hold an 11-game lead over the Seattle Mariners in the AL West. They also have the best record in the American League, which means that they would have home field advantage through the playoffs if they could hold on to that. So very interesting, very important to watch as we head into the final stretch of the baseball season. The Arneville Volunteer Fire Department is hosting a black pot cook-off Saturday, September the 10th. Cooking begins at 8. Eating starts at noon. It's at the Flower Auditorium in Arneville. There will also be plenty of live music, including Gerald Grunig and Gentilly Zydeco, Dustin Saunier, and Sweet Cecilia. For more information, visit www.arnevillefire.org. Let's take our final time out of the week. Wrap up today's show on the other side. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. All right, so we got a couple things to get to here in the next three minutes. First things first, Aiden Hutchinson, the number two overall pick in the NFL, already making linemen look silly. So the Lions-Falcons playing right now, Lions line. I mean, the Falcons lined up to run the ball, and the line. The lineman goes to block Aiden Hutchinson, and the second he goes to engage with Hutchinson, Hutchinson just picks his arms up over the lineman's head, shoves him out the way, and goes stuffs the running back in the backfield. Absolutely, absolutely incredible. I mean, what what more can you say? James quickly start bench cut. Trey Lance, Justin Field, Kenny Pickett. I'm going to start Trey Lance. I'll bench. Uh, who's the other one? Oh, Justin Fields. I'll bench him, and then I'll cut Kenny Pickett. I'm starting Justin Fields. I'm benching Kenny Pickett, and Trey Lance can stay as far away from my program as human. Why do you possible. hate Trey Lance? I just don't think he's ready. Interesting. I just don't think he's ready. Hmm. 
And I really the few, the few times he's been on the field, he's been absolutely spectacular. I really like the upside of Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I know he's struggling in camp right now, but I like his upside. I'm not a Pickett aficionado. So, what about the running backs? Henry McCaffrey and Jonathan starting Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, benching Derrick Henry and cutting CMC on the sole fact that he can't stay healthy. See, I'm starting CMC. Benching JT and cutting Derrick Henry. Really? Because CMC, in my offense, I'm not going to abuse him. And let's say he does get it injured. Now I got Jonathan Taylor at 23 years old, waiting in the wings. Whereas with Derrick Henry, he's probably about to far, fall apart next year. He's not going to. He might fall off t- at the tail end of this season. So, I'll pass. Fair enough. Fair enough. Great week of crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. Really want to take this opportunity to appreciate Jacob Goins of ESPN Auburn for joining us earlier and Jake's Jake Crane joining us for Jake's Takes. Saints play tomorrow. Astros have a three-game set against the Oakland A's starting tonight. You can catch it right here on the game. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. And in case anybody was wondering, we got a birthday to celebrate next week here on Crunch Time. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them, and we'll see you on Monday. This is the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 in Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. CBS Sports Radio and the Houston Astros are up next.